Howdy, Hellions. We'll see you in hell. We're back with a new episode. This is your horror fantasy sci-fi podcast. Uh, And today we're going to do a little review on a movie called A Quiet Place. Uh, But I'd first like to kick it over to my co-host with the co-most, Pat Walsh. Hi, everybody. Feels like it's been a while since we've done one of these. I guess it's been a few weeks. We had to do Uh, a lot of pre-recording. Joe, you were out of town. You were uh, in New York for Fleet Week. Is that correct? Yeah, I went in to see the boys, and the (laughs) boys were happy to see me. Yes. Well, why wouldn't they be? You make it easy for them. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we're talking about a, a quiet place. John Krasinski's A Quiet Place. Uh-huh. Uh we'll get to that. But what's been going on? How was how was NYC? NYC was good. Uh got the dog did, back. Khan's back Khan's in the mix. Back. Pat came in tonight, saw Khan, exuded all the joy of a man <laughs> uh in an electric chair seeing the person who sent him there through the glass. <laughs> Uh, as long as you was barking at me. Well, he barked a little bit. Uh, I don't. What am I supposed to say? Thanks. But it, well, it's a dog. It's here's a know. treat. Uh, but uh, yeah, Khan's back. New York was good. Did a lot of stand up. Spent a week and a half at my mom's and dad's. Uh, decompressed. Did a lot of video game hunting. Sure. And uh, today, as we record this, marks uh, for me a full month without a drop. Of alcohol or a puff of weed. Uh, so that's interesting. And Joe's talking about permanent sobriety. Well, I never say, Pat, I never say never. Yeah. But uh, this is uh, this is going to be a stretch for me because I am sort of learning and discovering feelings. Oh, wow. <laughs> that, I, that I have not uh, experienced in a very long time. Right. Uh, bowel control. Yeah, bowel control. Uh, P control. Yeah. But, I mean, I'll tell you who appreciated the sobriety was those Fleet Week boys. Sure. Because I was I didn't need a rest. Right. Uh, Less refractory period. Yes. Yeah, That's exactly. The, the downtime between orgasms is your refractory period. Exactly. So, uh, you know, it's been an interesting stretch. I've been, uh, you know, I allowed myself uh, a Saturday night drink, but I've been largely off for about a month. Saw Eddie Pepitone the other night, one-man show, in the end of days. Uh Uh-huh. A scream laughed from start to finish. Uh Uh-huh. Over an hour. He had the uh, rack with the costumes out on stage. (laughs) You know? Yep. I love Pepitone. Um and saw a Hellion, the the uh the Hellion who wrote the erotic fan fiction between you and I. Where did you see him? Was in attendance. He was there at the show. And oh. I, I I don't like to throw out names in case people don't want their name thrown out. Maybe I'll ask him and I'll read it next time. Um well that's nice. Now you are saying you're not high right now. I'm probably still high from yesterday. Why do you ask? Because you seem v- v- extremely high. Your eyes are 
half <laughs> at half mass. No, I mean I'm really red. <laughs> I'm exhausted. Oh, so you, well, all right. Well, then it could um, also just be exhausted. But yeah, I got very high yesterday, and today, like I told you, I'm feeling a little sluggish. What's well, all right? Back off. Not uh, not sluggish enough to not get combative. The uh, what what does really high mean for you? Because you have a pretty good tolerance. Um, you know, more more mg's than the norm. Did What's, about a forty mg? Wow. I can't. I can't come and get anywhere near it. I know. I go over a ten, and I'm, you know, yeah, a lot. You're peeling me off the ceiling. Uh, I had to get a new iPhone. I got the red iPhone. The red. Yeah, it's hot off the presses. What's the red iPhone? Oh, I'm sorry. It's just like any other iPhone, except one of a kind, and it helps people with AIDS. Oh, that's nice. When did that come out? I think very recently, like I think the past week, and it's pretty cool, and I'm trying to get it out of this case. So the red iPhone see there, is for age charity, and they make it blood red. That's right. That's an odd choice. Um, you know, I think it's like we're all one, you know, we're united by blood, even if that blood contains the HIV virus. It's like having a thing for, like an iPhone for bowel cancer, and it's brown or something. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can't disagree with that. But, or, re- or red, quite frankly, for bowel cancer. But uh, You know, I'd, I'd had the same iPhone for three, four, maybe even five years. So I'm assuming I've racked up an upgrade or whatever the hell. Yes. They just look at me. They're like, yeah, you know, it's it's just full price. <laughs> yeah, you, just, you just pay full price. You're doing something wrong with these iPhones, man. This is, you what? should have gotten one for absolutely for some very cheaper amount. They weren't offering it to me. Maybe because you got the fancy charity one. Well, they offered me, yeah, my i my iPhone six. They were like, we can give you another one of these for two ninety nine. What? I'm like, but they're so far ahead of it. Why would I do that? You you should have went to uh, your phone carrier store. They that's where you would have got a deal. Really? Yeah, because you go into that Apple store and it's just you're dealing directly with the Apple. You got to who's your carrier? AT and T. Yeah, garbage AT and T. You go into the AT and T store, they'll say, "Well, we have a promotion, and for just ten extra dollars a month on your bill, you can get the iPhone eight or whatever." You know, I don't need to be beholden to those fucks. Uh, you know a- what I? You know what I paid a little extra for today? Freedom. <laughs> If only freedom worked that way everywhere, pet. And then I immediately put my thumbprint into the fucking phone and gave it to Apple. Refuse to do it. Won't put my goddamn thumbprint into that phone. Fuck that new one with the eye recognition. Go get, face, get out of my yeah, face. Yeah, I did not go that far. I went with the eight something. But the the lady's walking me through it real quick. And she goes, well, even I, I go, I don't do the cloud. I, I opt out of the cloud. I don't want to do it. She goes, well. Let's just check because maybe you have a backup on the cloud you're not even aware of. I said, well, that wouldn't be possible. I don't sign into the cloud. She clicks in. I got a backup on the cloud from like a week ago that I didn't perform. She's like, you want to just use that one? I go, well, I don't know if click all my apps appear. I'm back into my phone on this new phone. I'm like, it's just fucked up. They have everything. Everything that is yours, they have. You want to hear a real creepy one? Yes. 
when I was at my mom's, we we were talking about watching Godzilla, the yeah. original. Sure. And my mom said, "Isn't Raymond Burr in Godzilla?" Yeah. And I said, "I think so, but I also don't think so because wasn't that movie made in Japan?" And I st- I got very confused. Right. And then my mom said, "Well." I think he was, and we talked about it for a while, and then finally I said, well, just Google it. See, she types in, she picks up her iPad, goes to the search engine, types in Raymond Burr, and the first thing is, was Raymond Burr in Godzilla? And she's like, how the hell is that the first thing? That's that's ridiculous. Yeah, that doesn't sound right at all. <laughs> doesn't yeah. sound right. Raymond Burr, Perry Mason didn't come up. First thing, rear window, like when it gives you the choices to complete it in the Google thing, right? And she had the thing on her lap as we talked about it. It's, it's something's going on here. I don't disagree with you, Joe. Uh, Pat, if you don't mind, before we get too far into this, I want to plug something. All right. Uh, I I I'm in a new horror anthology thing called uh, By Night Origins. I generally, do the plugs at the end of the show, but well. I, I'm afraid I'm going to forget this, and I'm trying to drive a lot of, a lot of people to watch this thing. But uh, it's on Amazon Live. I shot this a very long time Amazon ago. Amazon Live? I mean, Amazon Prime, excuse Prime. me. Uh, I shot this a long time ago. It's up there now. They're short-form stories. Uh, the first three are up there. I play the sort of Rod Serling-y guy in it. Judging by your reaction, I can tell you haven't watched it yet. I haven't seen it. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're like, are you the narrator of it? Yes. I'm like the host. Are you like on like a late night radio show from what it looks like? Uh, no. You'll oh. have to watch the three episodes and then there's a little twist where it shows what I am. All right. Uh, well, you're not going to do it. I can tell. I will. I'll watch it. <laughs> I thought you were the guy who's like, you know, it may be cold outside, but we've got some jazz heating up in here well i am sort of that guy except i'm not a radio guy oh okay uh anyway that's out go check it out uh you know i hope you like it it's fun i love anthology horror have you watched it of course i've watched it all right i was in it i had to watch it a lot of people can't watch themselves uh i didn't watch myself i watched the stories because i shot my segments after the stories were shot okay so i had to watch the stories to kind of understand what was going on gotcha so i understood my intros and things like that anyway any horror puns no no there's no crypt keeper style uh, stuff right. i don't say anything like uh bladies and uh <laughs> Uh, 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 I can't think of anything for gentlemen. Can you think of something? I'm not quite sure. Bladies makes any sense. Like blade, oh, like a okay. knife. Gotcha. You know. Uh, yeah. No, I don't say anything like that. I don't say this next. Uh, scary tale. You know, I don't right. do anything like nothing like that. I'll have to watch it. Is there nudity? No. Uh, I don't. No. No. No nudity. Okay. All right, I'll still watch it. Yeah, well, I would. I would hope so. It's your dear, dear friend <laughs> is in a thing. Hey, did you watch me when I portrayed Ben Frywater on Showtime's Roadies? Had I had the option to, I would have. I don't have Showtime, and uh, as far as I know, despite popular demand, Roadies has not been 
shuffled over to any of the streaming services. No, it's it's a, you got to pay a premium if you want to see it. <laughs> Pat, I agree, and uh, you know, look, you tell me where to pay that premium, I'll pay it because I want to see you in action. I guess Showtime on Demand dot com. It's a good point. Probably just buy it there. Probably buy it for one ninety nine. You know what? I'm going to go buy your episode. You don't have to do that, Joe. I'm going to buy it. I want to watch it. I have I have three lines. Oh, well then forget it. I uh, I and don't. Then my dad told me I leaned into frame so that I could be seen even when I didn't have lines. I was like, no, I didn't. I I did what I was directed to do. You have marks. You old fuck. You have to hit. Your dad critiques your body posture in your... Yeah. His favorite show was Roadies. He wrote me a, like a giant... His favorite show? His, he was obsessed with the show Roadies. So he'd write me these huge, lengthy reviews every week of a show I was not watching. Amazing episode. And he'd talk about all the characters and everything. Like, I knew who they were. Then I was in episode nine, and I get no review. So when I told him I was going to be in it, he was like, oh, I'm so excited. Okay. So he doesn't write me a review for nine. I go, hey, did you see me on roadies? He goes, oh, yeah, and then critiques my performance. Pat, I'm sorry. I got to remember that, what you just told me, that story. You mean in dealing with me in the future? Yes. I got. No, I'm serious. <laughs> Anytime <laughs> I'm looking at you and I go, why isn't he giving me the emotion I need right now? I, I'm serious. I got to remember that story. That's terrible. Yeah. And I'm being sincere. That's a recent story. That's not, not. That's not from my childhood. Yeah, I'm not being a smartass. That's that's terrible. Oh, stop! I'm serious. It makes me feel bad. Stop. What? Can I feel for you? Oh my god! The way you want me to. Oh my god! Oh, you know what we never did? What? We never got on. I don't have a song. Uh, oh, somebody sent me one. If you want it. I always forget them, and now that I have no apps on my phone, I gotta. Uh, my friend uh, Amy sent me, and I said, "I think you've done this one." Okay, well, how's that help? Me? Well, b- because then I started thinking about: Have we done magic? Yeah. Joe, oh, you have, Joe. Joe, it's magic. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Well, then that's that. That was right. Then you, we have done it. You know what? Somebody requested that I remember. Here we go. Get on with the show and on with a Jolene. Jolene, <laughs> Jolene, Jolene. There you go. Very good. Um, Dolly why Parton. We, what? Dolly Parton. I know. Huge cans. <laughs> That's my favorite line in all of the Gervais office is the last line of the first season when he says that really yeah. insightful thing and he goes, you know what? which brilliant philosopher said that? Dolly Parton. Yeah. People thought she was just a big old set of tits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very funny. Why don't we get to the movie corner? Because okay. I've got a few things for it. But also, I feel like we're, we, we should allow ourselves a little bit extra time for A Quiet Place today. Okay. Because I feel that it might be a more spirited discussion. All right. Uh, uh, in terms of the movie corner, I saw Love, Simon. Now, 
I've been wondering what the hell that is. I I keep seeing the title everywhere, but I yeah. have yet to even the same Google the, the same word buddy Simon. of mine who took me to the Greatest Showman was like, "You got to see Love Simon. You're going to love it." I what is like, it about? All right, it's a it's basically like a teen John Hughes type of movie about a gay kid. Okay. So he's got like three. He's trying to figure out who the this anonymous gay kid at school is. So there's all these possible suitors. Okay. Um, and it was a cute movie. I, I'm glad that there is a uh, a gay romantic comedy for teenagers. That, that nice. Uh, there hasn't really been one of these to this point, and I thought it was goofy at, at times, a little ragged around the edges it was not a perfect movie but i enjoyed myself all right the kid that played simon was good all the kid actors were good good uh it's an enjoyable film good uh i watched for the first time yeah pat you're not gonna believe it when it comes out of my mouth okay the Shawshank Redemption. What? <laughs> I'd never actually seen the movie from front to back. I oh. just caught p- pieces of it on like TBS or whatever channel they reran it on constantly. I mean, what a stupid way to watch that movie. Well, I didn't watch it that way. I would catch parts of it, and then I just never had a huge urge to watch it. I was on an airplane recently, flying back from New York to okay. here, it back into your arms. Right. And I thought, hey, they've got Shawshank Redemption on the Classics channel here on Virgin America. I'm going to finally watch this damn thing. I loved it. It was a wonderful film. Yeah. Uh, it was It was just really phenomenal. And, uh, I mean, you know, there's really not much to say here. I recently, very recently, watched it again myself. It's better than I even remembered. It's, it's a an great amazing movie. story, amazingly well told. Great acting. Yeah. Great great story. Yeah. Great it, movie. It's a fantastic film. Great uh, cinematography by the great Roger Deakins, who finally took home his Oscar for Blade Runner 2049. Uh, and directed by the wonderful Frank Darabont, who also did uh, The Mist. And The Green Mile, I think, right? He did The Mist, The Green Mile, and The Majestic. Don't forget The Majestic. I think uh, most of us forgot The Majestic, <laughs> oh. folks. He also created The Walking Dead and now sues them every week for like $90 million. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, I, you know, let's take it back to 1994 when uh, Shawshank came out. I rewatched a little picture called The River Wild, which uh, lives in infamy on this podcast because of the story I told where when Merrill was reaching for a gun in the water. A very old man behind me at the mall theater goes, Reach, Merrill! (laughs) And me and my buddy Ryan laughed for a half an hour. It was very funny to us. But The River Wild holds up. Directed by the great Curtis Hansen, R.I.P., who did L.A. Confidential Mm -hmm. and The Rocks the Cradle, many other films. Uh, River Wild's just like a classy adult thriller, the likes of which we don't get much anymore. Um, speaking of, uh, I've never seen it. It's but good. It's Streep is good. Bacon is good. John C. Riley is good. David Strathairn is good. It's a good movie. Uh, it's it's not terribly suspenseful, but it works. 
Speaking of past uh, directors, yeah, we also lost uh, Milos Forman this Milos week. Milos Forman. Yeah, so re- uh, farewell to him and rest in peace. You know what probably killed him? Working with Jim Carrey on that Man with a Moon project. Yeah, well. According to that documentary, Milos Forman had it harder than anybody. Uh, Pat. But he did uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yes. An all-time great. Yes. What else? He only did, a, like every, you know, Amadeus. Amadeus. He did a movie every like seven, eight years. Yeah, he, was, he did very fine work. He did. Um, I, on the airplane, uh, also decided to delve into uh, the new Will and Grace, which I had not seen yet, and a TV show called Trial and Error yep. starring John Lithgow. I've seen it. I got... Three minutes into trial and error, almost. I mean, I was so I was it was I was offended in a way that that like devout Muslims were offended by the Satanic Verses book. You know, like okay. it, it. It this thing it was one of the worst pieces of television and comedy I've ever set eyes on. It it made me weep for John Lithgow. This is an Oscar. I should tell you, my dear friend Jeff Astroff created it, ran it. Wrote several of the episodes, but he won't be listening to this. It's fine. Okay. Um, Sorry, John. Uh, I'm sure I've met you. You're probably a nice guy. And I did not know you were a part of this thing. Jeff is his name. Jeff. (laughs) I couldn't, I mean, all right, I won't, then I won't bash it anymore, but. uh, Did you finish it or just watch that? No, I watched the first. I thought, I thought it was kind of funny. I liked it. The, the pilot opening. I don't like. And this goes for a lot of comedy that's out there now. Right. I don't like. Now, here's the thing. If you're going to do an absurd comedy. Yeah. Um, then fine. If you're going to do like a sort of anchorman style thing where everybody is a sort of caricature uh, or, or a stereotypical or archetypal person. Whatever, fine. I don't care how ridiculous it gets. People can fly up into the into the air halfway through. I don't care. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to make sense. It just has to be funny. But if you're going to do a thing that I'm supposed to sort of buy into, and I'm supposed to believe that these are real people in a situation, you, you, the the jokes in the, in the first four or five minutes of this thing were so absurd. You know, it's like I I I'm sorry. I don't buy a report a news reporter on the scene of what she believes to be the house of a murderer, John Lithgow, who's being brought out and put into, taken into police custody. And I don't buy him handing her his dog and going, hold truffles, whatever the dog's name was. And then him going, and then the reporter immediately breaking out of interest of the story and going, yes, you're your doggy. What's your name? It's like, come on, man. That's just a, that's a bad fucking joke. That's just a bad, unbelievable fucking joke. All right, Joe. I, I I recuse myself from the conversation. I didn't say you didn't. You you want to drag more out of this? You want to <laughs> you want to push me to answer you? <laughs> no, uh, I don't. That's what I didn't like about it. Uh, Will and Grace also. Uh, had you seen the original? Yes, and I will say this: the I new- never had. I have only seen a few of the new one. The new Will and Grace delivered in the way the old Will and Grace did. Uh, four 
completely abhorrent human beings <laughs> thinking only of themselves, yet for some reason I'm supposed to like them. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it it had its moments. I, I really like Jack, uh, what's his name? Uh, the actor. What's the actor's name? Jack? Jack? Ja- the guy, the guy I'm who willing... plays Jack. Yeah, his real name is Jack. Sean. Oh Hayes? no, Sean. Sean. Sorry. All right. I really like him a lot. I think he's tremendous. I think he's funny and believable on the show. Uh, well, but he, the pro- uh, what's what's the girl's name with, with the hair who's in that show that we watch? <laughs> She's in the not the girl in the NCIS, but she was on the same night as her on the Leno. That's what I'm getting over here. Well, what do you want for me? Trying to help. Uh, it's uh, I, I like that character, but but I think they try to they kind of make every character also that self centered. Sure. And again, like trying to buy into something realistic. I personally have really enjoyed the new Roseanne so far, yeah. and I think they've done a very nice job of realistically portraying the way people deal with the disparity in politics and the current social climate and the arguments and debates that we all have on the different sides of the coin. I think they did a good job of that. Will and Grace, I think, started down an interesting road and then it gets fucking absurd and unbelievable once again when it's like now Grace has to redecorate the Oval Office. It's like, come on, man. Like, right. this is absurd. Well, this that was is- the, the, one, the one I saw. That was like the premiere. Yeah. So... um you know, look, if, if there are fans of the show out there and there are fans of trial and error, more power to you. If you like these shows, I hope you enjoy them. They just weren't for me. Okay. What, what, what is this? Stop. With the <laughs> Joe. But no, no, you know, you're doing like a kind of like, hey, man, yeah, I guess. If I, you don't, if I'm you don't to you like talk about it, this show? Daddy-O, what is this like? <laughs> what are you talking beatnik about? Beatnik poet cool thing I'm, that you're doing I'm right listening. now. I'm listening. You're, you're talking and I'm listening. All right. That's all I can do. Well, you can offer an opinion on these things, you know. Well, I, I can on trial and error because my friend made it. All right. And I, I think it's funny. So there is my opinion. And uh, Will and Grace, I've only seen a couple. And... I don't. I don't know that it was for me. I have some friends on that show as well. Oh, but Mr. It, Hollywood, it over wasn't here. my bag. This sort of thing isn't my bag. Yeah, <laughs> sort of thing is my bag, baby. Um, oh, that's all I was saying. It, they neither were my bag, baby. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, well, it's fine. I saw uh, you were never really here. Oh, that looks good. Starring Joaquin Phoenix. It was sort of like a uh, uh, a dark indie version of Taken, but with a very unreliable narrator. <laughs> and if you don't like that sort of thing, if you don't like a challenging movie, if you don't like a movie that doesn't answer all of its questions, don't see it. If you're pretty open-minded uh, and you don't mind having to do some some work, having to kind of fill in some blanks. Uh, I think you'll really enjoy it. It's basically Joaquin Phoenix walking around with a hammer, beating the shit out of people. He rescues a girl from, uh, you know, like a a sex dungeon. 
type place, mm-hmm. underage sex dungeon. And uh, so it was a dungeon. He's got to get her out. It's kind of like a brothel for little girls. It's a very dark movie. Amazing uh, cinematography. It's a lady that did Morvern Collar. Lady that did. We need to talk about Kevin. Oh, I like that movie quite a bit. I did as well. And it's similar. It's very kind of creepy. Johnny Greenwood from Radiohead, who does uh, Paul Thomas Anderson scores. He did the score for this. It was very bombastic, very exciting. I loved the movie. And it was 90 minutes. Oh, you can't beat that. No, you can't. Uh, Well, all right. Very good. Uh, I'd like to, uh, I mean, if you want to move on, I'd like to go into Joe Scary stuff. Go for it. I've seen a couple other things, but let's parcel them out, you know? Okay. Uh, I have two. I've seen other things. You're not the only one. I know. I know. Um, scary stuff. I'm going to go back to the video game well, as I often do on this. Uh, if you have a Nintendo Switch, which many of you probably do if you're into video games... Uh, check out the, uh, there, you know, Nintendo switch is porting out a lot of, um, third party, uh, indie stuff, uh, on their digital only store, uh, where you can, you know, go on and log on and download stuff directly to the device as you can with all devices these days. Um, but one line of games that are really, really tremendous, uh, Johnny turbos arcade, that is the brand or the, or the line, um, and what Johnny Turbo's arcade is doing is they are reporting the best of the old Data East arcade games. Uh, and so far, they have uh, ported uh, Gate of Doom, which is a really fun sword and sorcery dungeon crawling arcade game from, uh, I guess, the early 90s. And then they also just recently released Bad Dudes versus Dragon Ninja, which is exactly what it is. It's bad, two bad dudes versus a bunch of ninjas. Um, but the Data East games are really a lot of fun and, uh, you know, they're the kind of things you could play through in under an hour and it's just, you know, it's a lot of running and fighting and running and fighting, but, uh, they're, they're, they're great games and Johnny Turbo's arcade is doing a very good job with these ports, giving you tons of options, uh, to screen options and screen sizing the way the screen looks, making, you can make it look like a VHS tape. You can make it look you can you can adjust the scan lines. You can adjust the size of the screen. It, it's just it's just a very 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 cool uh, port of of old games, and it's everything you want in a newly ported retro gaming experience. So uh, check that out. And it seems like they're sticking to the more fantastic uh, games that Data East did so far. So uh, anyway, check it out. Do you have anything, Pat? I don't. I'm sorry. It's fine. I saw a coyote the other night. That's horror themed. No, it's not, Pat. They howl at the moon. (laughs) Saw a coyote. All right. (laughs) Thanks for being here today. Let's get down to the task at hand. Yeah. We'll talk about A Quiet Place. And, you know, I watched an old Cisco and Ebert this weekend. And usually one basically talks for a minute, does a summary. Then the other does a summary. Then they get into the meat of it. 
Okay. Let's try that for this one. Sure. Quiet Place is uh, the second, maybe the third film directed by Office star John Krasinski, who I think really announces himself here as a great director of suspense. This uh, was a very exciting, very tense thriller that uses its soundproof gimmick exceptionally well. I would say, hopefully, uh, will lead to a sequel. When there's so many of these things that give you more and more, Insidious, the last key comes to mind. This one actually seems like it could lend itself to some more interesting stories being told because I felt like while it did a lot with the material, there was a lot more they could have done. But this also was a tight 90 minutes. I respect the hell out of that. I was moved by it when I was supposed to be. I had fun when I was supposed to. And I thought it was a very scary movie. Easily, for me, the best horror release since last year's Get Out. Joe? Uh, yes, A Quiet Place is a film about uh, an alien invasion that is already in progress uh, or has already transpired. The aliens are blind but have uh, an, a highly attuned sense of hearing. Therefore, if you make any noise anywhere near the aliens, they will, I guess, eat you or murder you yeah. or something. They never really totally explained that. Well, they grabbed that kid. Yeah, but it's... Ate it. But it's well, they don't show it eat it though, is my you know what I mean? Might rip it apart. Yeah. So they don't let let me let me rephrase. They don't really explain why the aliens are so hostile, they just are. Like, you know. So um this is you know, it was sort of like a more intense signs, um, the M. Night Shyamalan movie. Uh people are raving about this thing. The people are saying, as Patch has said, it's the best horror movie since Get Out. Uh, I'd like to start the discussion by saying it's a passable film. Uh, it was well executed. I will say John Krasinski did an excellent, excellent job directing it. Yeah. Excellent job. Um, it was very, very well shot. I don't know who the cinematographer was, but he did a great job. The or she. Or she, excuse me. Uh, the script was well written, uh, and the actors were all very good. Um but at the end of the day, it's is it the best horror movie that came out since Get Out? No, it's the best horror movie that's been in mainstream movie theaters since Get Out. Um, I mean, you know, on this podcast here, we saw Super Dark Times. After we saw Get Out, we saw Raw. I don't think this movie surpasses either of them. But I also don't think that those are movies that are going to rise to the to the top of the American mainstream movie complexes. Um, it's a good movie, but at the end of the day, it's jump scares. It's a lot of jump scares. Uh, and having just recently rewatched it with my mom and dad, cause they wanted to see it, which uh-huh. I actually liked more on the second viewing. I still don't think it's fantastic. I felt that this was very similar to it. And it is the highest grossing horror movie of all time. Right. So these things have something in common. These are both very popular mainstream horror films in the United States. You know, they're not bad. They're not poorly done. They're, 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 they're solid. They're good pieces of work. But I just, 
I'm just tired of the jump scares. I just miss. I, I, I felt like the story of this, I could have used, not because I needed information. I just felt the movie would have been a little stronger with some backstory just so it wasn't scene after scene after scene after scene of we need to be quiet because the monster is right there. It was a lot of that. And after a while, I was like, okay, okay so you got to be quiet because the monster's there. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? You didn't, you didn't find that <laughs> well, that got kind of... I mean, it's an issue we frequently have. If you say anything in that voice, it sounds like a bad thing. What do you mean? Like, look out, the monster's there. You know, you got to be quiet. Sure. I mean, if you say it in that tone of voice, then it sounds like it's dumb. But no, I'm I, not saying it's dumb. I'm just saying you didn't think that got old after a while? I didn't at all. I was I was on the edge of my seat, as they say, from start to finish. Apparently, some backstory was cut out. They had flashbacks that Krasinski cut out of the script. Uh, I didn't miss it. I think they would have been distracting, would have cut the suspense. I thought it was just a good, solid 90-minute suspenseful thrill ride it is good i didn't think it had too many jump scares or certainly more than your average horror movie that's all the scares were were jump scares there were literally no other scares but i mean to compare this thing to get out or to put it on the same plane as get out which had i just an astounding approach to a social commentary and a creepiness that wasn't all just jolts yeah uh, I just don't think it's a fair comparison. I don't. Th- I, I, I to say this. Well, is I said a, it's the best since, well, which I which I stand by. I prefer Get Out. Get Out has a lot more to say, but in terms of horror movies that I think will will be around for a while, I'd put this up there. I think it's a lot better than a Conjuring or a Conjuring Two. I think it's a great modern horror movie and a good comparison it to uh, to Shyamalan because it feels like. Those first few of his signs, Unbreakable Sixth Sense, where it's just a good, solid, well-made scream machine. And the kind that's in short supply these days, I would say. Um, I disagree. I think Shyamalan, I think Sixth Sense is, was better at being creepy. I don't like signs. I like this better than signs. Um. And Unbreakable is not a scream machine, I don't think. But like it, it's but but uh, I don't know. It just it 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 was good. I mean, would you at least agree with this with the sentiment that it's the best horror movie that's this popular since Get Out? I mean, it's not the best horror movie made since Get Out. That's that's hyperbole. I mean, I I think these discussions are not they're not doing any anybody a service. We're movie. A movie critic podcast. <laughs> I know, but That's... to talk about you know, wh- wh- you know which which is which, which is better, which is that. To a certain degree, I just think it's a great movie, and shouldn't that be enough? Sure. Whereas if this was a like a Cloverfield movie, as it was supposed to be, no, that was that on... was not true. Actually, they said that that was never true. I, I read it. I, I know you read it, and then the story came out later that said it was never supposed to be a Cloverfield movie. Well, who am I to believe in this world of fake news? <laughs> in this world of fake news. Okay. Um, you know, I just think you got to at some point discuss a movie on its own terms. If this was, if this popped up on Netflix one night, you'd be like, "Look at this fucking great movie." But I think 
you can't help when a movie is critically acclaimed that everybody's going to see it and everybody's excited about it to push back at it. I don't think it deserves it. I think it's a great movie. But you, I'm I'm asking you because you said I think this is the best horror movie since Get Out. I'm saying yes. I, do you think that that's a little bit of a gross exaggeration? No, I do. I th- I think it was a great movie, and I liked it more than Super Dark Times, and I liked it more than Raw, and I like both those movies a lot. Okay. I th- and I don't <laughs> even like Krasinski. I thought he was good in it. Maybe better that he would not talk so much. And uh, Emily Blunt was great. It just did a good job of like, oh, shit, she's pregnant. Oh, shit, she's going to make noise. The baby's going to make noise. Oh, shit, there's a nail on the stairs. You know, like they kept they kept ramping up the stakes. They kept me in suspense. And that's really all I can ask let's, of a suspense movie. Let's talk about the pregnant thing. All right. Now, I kept an open mind throughout the film. I said, don't jump to any conclusions. Don't judge. But in a scenario as dire as this, right. I wanted at least some sort of explanation as to why these fucking idiots got themselves pregnant when they've already had a kid die. And it wasn't like like when it's sh- the so when the movie starts, it says the 86th day or the 93rd day right. or something like that. They're like, OK, this has just started going on. This weird invasion things happening, whatever it is. After and then the son gets killed, and that's the cold open. And I think they're clearly having a baby to replace the son. Well, you would bring a baby into this madness. I think they're doing it. I think that's irresponsible, but that's what they're doing. I mean, it's idiotic. They 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 show them. So so wait, but hold on one second. But so so then they come back after the opening credits. It says day four hundred sixty, whatever. Yeah. So you're like, okay, this, and then you see, and she's pregnant. So the first thing you say is, okay, well, I maybe I thought she would have been pregnant when the other kid died, but no, this is this is a long time after she's she got pregnant after. Okay, well, maybe they're having a kid to, as you said, to replace the kid that they lost. And then you see the other children playing Monopoly with, not with like the metal pieces, but with like pieces they knitted, right. So they wouldn't make any noise. And I'm like, so you're going to the lengths to be that careful that the Monopoly board can't emit any sound, which is the tiniest sound in the world. Yet, willy-nilly, we're going to have a baby. We don't even know if the soundproof room works that we built. When she has the baby and they don't get killed, He go- the first thing she says is, it worked. The room worked. It's like, this all seems quite careless to me. In well, a world where your kids can't even have a toy that makes any noise. They had they did have a soundproof room, which which I guess was a risk. I don't know if they were planning to have the I I figure either they were planning to have the baby to replace the dead son, or they raw dogged it up one night and she got pregnant. They don't want to have an abortion uh when there's like four people in their life. It'd be very traumatic. I would have liked some at one line just saying like Didn't I know occur to me. I was like these people have suffered a loss and they want to replace it with a baby. But you but but that's that's inconsiderate to the baby for Christ's sakes. The baby could cry and get killed instantly. All right. But I mean so you disagree with them having a baby? That's a flaw of the movie to you? It's a flaw that is never addressed. 
Have one line where you say, we got ourselves into the situation and we have to do the right thing now and have the, just address it. Don't just act like it's totally normal that we're pregnant and we're never going to say anything. I mean, you know. I think you you could go either way, like I said. It was an accident or it was a planned replacement. And well, I, then, I like both answers. Fine. But then say, but then you have to explain to me why a planned replacement makes sense to you. You, you, you can't. Here's the thing. You can't tell. A mother's love is a mother's love, Joe. <laughs> here's my point. The kid at the beginning gets killed because he has the cop car with the bat or the rocket ship, sorry, with the batteries in it, right? Yeah. And the rocket ship makes noise. John Krasinski makes such a vehement point to this kid. You can't put batteries in this toy because it will right. make too much noise. The kid doesn't listen. He puts batteries in the toys. Rocket ship makes noise. He gets killed. This is devastating. You're now going to push out a baby. That right. is, by itself, louder than any toy on the planet. Right. So, so, you, so you, disagree, me- you disagree with them having a baby. What? That, but that's the movie. But you can't get over this. No, I get. I need a lot. It's literally like if if in Richard Donner's uh, Superman. Uh, Superman just lives in a kryptonite house and they never you're like, why are you living in a kryptonite house? You fucking idiot. This hurts you. This but is going to kill you pregnant like like the people on Maury. They don't need to have their seventh baby. They have no money. They don't live in a situation where where aliens are going to eat them. If Aren't they, they bring that baby into just as dangerous a world if they can't afford to feed it. I think it needed a line or two to just say, this is what happened. I I think that goes a long way because I spent a lot of that movie scratching my head going, wait, why the fuck are they having this bit? What what, what the fuck are they thinking? Didn't occur to me. Replacing the sun is the easy emotional connection answer. I understand replacing the sun, but you wouldn't replace the sun in a world that dangerous. These people did. And I think you got to accept that. Then they're fucking idiots and they get what they deserve. They should die. They should all die then. They're idiots. But they they were willing to shove this kid in a little uh, handmade casket, basically, to keep it quiet. They had a plan. It's a sick. <laughs> these are sick people. They're doing what they got to do to you have this kid. You don't bring a kid into that. People talked about not having babies when Trump became president, for Christ's sakes. These guys are going to have babies in this fucking post-apocalyptic. Maybe that's a little selfish. but It's they, very selfish. They want to spread the love around. I, 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 I think it's, it's. I thought Krasinski's relationship with the other two kids was very sweet. I like that. At the end, which I, you know, we're spoiling here, you know, when he's uh, saying, I love you very much, thought it was a very moving scene. I like that. You know what else the dad could have done uh, instead of sacrificing himself? Loved he it. could have just thrown a rock. <laughs> yeah, how many times is that trick going to work? It works frequently throughout the film. Throw it and then what? And then the alien would have run towards it, and then maybe he could have saved his kids. You know, he didn't have to sacrifice himself. I think in that instance he did. Uh, I mean, you know, when the alien is in the, literally in the bathroom with Emily Blunt, as she finally screams because she's having labor pains, screams at the top of her lungs, it is distracted by fireworks outside that it runs outside to. So clearly... 
these these aliens are very cat-like. You can you can divert the attention pretty easily. That's I true. Th- I think Krasinski could have saved himself. You know, uh, he had to save his kids. He acted. Fa- I mean, you're 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 thinking too much. You're thinking too much. Here's the thing. If you scrutinized Get Out to this to this point, uh-huh. you wouldn't find these problems with it. This is why I say this movie was fine. It was like, solid. It was passable. It's not a fantastic film. It's just the best thing we've seen in a movieplex in a long time. That's all. I think it's a fantastic thriller if you look at it in terms of what is a thriller supposed to do? What is a scary movie supposed to do? Then, yes, it is an excellent movie on those terms. I think you uh, well, I don't Do agree. I have to talk about it with regard to Chinatown? No. We're I not, think it was a great thriller. But we're not talking about it with regard to Chinatown. Talk about it this is a movie. A movie sh- it's like saying The Expendables 3 was a good movie because it had a lot of explosions and that's what it was supposed to do. It's like that's not enough. You have to you have to say does the story make sense? Does you know yeah, this story especially for, by the rules of like a supernatural thriller? The story made absolute perfect sense that I did not question. If you want to pick away at like what are the rules of these space creatures, you know, perhaps it's not always a hundred percent accurate. But I don't know what the inner workings of a space creature are. You don't need to. They play by their own rules. I'm abiding by the rules that they set up in the beginning of the movie. Yes. If you can't have a toy that beeps. Don't bring a fucking screaming baby into the world. It's not a good idea. It's just I, not I, a good I, idea. I don't think it has to be a good idea for this to be a movie. People, I don't know, dude. People have to make bad decisions for movies to happen. You saw The Road, right? I did. I uh, strongly preferred this movie to The Road. I, I, so did I. Yes. I didn't think The Road was a great... I just thought The Road was kind of boring. Yeah. But you watch The Road... What's the guy? What's the, who's the dad in it? The guy from B. Joe Morton's. Yes, he's got his kid, dude, and it is like these are the fucking rules. There is no compromise to to a fault. He does it. Yeah, to the point there where at the end of the movie, when the when he find Viggo Mortensen finally dies and the kid is discovered by a family, the kid realizes like, oh, there actually can be love and joy in the world. Everything isn't a risk. That to me is what I'm talking about. It's like it's it's it, it, it's like there is no like. Well, that's the world we live in. But hey, we're gonna. That's like saying like. That's like saying like if there was like a scene where they decide to have a dinner party in the woods. You're like, what are they doing? They're gonna get killed. You go, well, hey, it's just what they decided to do. But like I've I've given you two possible explanations. But, but you then, could have plugged either of them into your brain and enjoyed the fucking movie. But you have to explain. You have to say that in the movie. Okay. When you don't say it, then it's just like, okay, so then which one is it? And what's going on here? Why did they do this? It just didn't bug me. I also Which I guess think, is why I enjoyed it. More. I also think, look, I, as I said, I kept an open mind. But by the end of it, I was like, you're not going to mention this once? And then on top of it, you're going to say, hey, our soundproof room worked. Yeah, guys, you could have tested it before the fucking baby was born. You got three people here. Four people. You could have went down into it and made some noise to see if it worked. One of them is deaf. Um, you didn't love the deaf girl? I thought she was great. And I was even willing to buy that everybody was seemingly fluent in sign language because they had a sister that was hard of hearing. You would be. 
No, you wouldn't be. You, if growing you, up my sister was deaf, my whole family would have known sign language. I guarantee it. I'm not saying your family wouldn't have known sign language. I'm saying for, forever. Look, I let that go. I didn't have a problem with it. <laughs> I thought it was a little convenient. But I mean, I don't know. I don't know how you enjoy anything. I you enjoy everything. That's simply not true. It's very true. I hate a lot of things. Most things. I like a lot of stuff. Sorry that I didn't like trial and error. <laughs> well, I'm talking just about and a, a quiet, quiet place. place. But you did like a quiet place. Why are you saying you didn't like it? You've said so many positive things about it, and yet you're giving it this weird I, negative undercurrent be, because it's not Chinatown. You want everything to be Chinatown. <laughs> I thought it was I thought it was a good movie. I think to give it the uh, the praise that it's getting is is, a, is is exaggerated. And I think that's the problem with everything now. Nothing can just be good anymore. Everything has to be, it's a box office, record-breaking, uh, powerhouse of a film. <laughs> I didn't say it's any of that. It's the best. I'm I just saying you. I'm I just said saying. it was good. And you said, but it's not this, it's not that. You it's said not, it was the you're best. You're doing what you're mad about. You said it was the best movie since Get Out. Yeah, I think it was the best horror movie since Get Out. I think, and I'll say this again, we have not seen every horror movie since Get Out. That's true. <laughs> I think that's a gross exaggeration. Best movie I've seen, obviously. But anytime uh, but, anybody says that, they mean it's the best one they've seen. I just I, I, I just think these movies come out. And, and we see a lot of horror movies. We have and, a horror movie podcast. Yes. And I think it's either everything is either a, is either a, a disgusting disaster right. or, or the most brilliant thing ever crafted. And I'm just like, can something just be good? It was good. Because I go into this thing going like, okay, here we go. And then I'm like, yeah, all right, it was good. Right. Like, yeah. I would just concern yourself less with everything you read and hear before a movie comes out. It's impossible. You can't. This I don't I don't get that into it. I didn't know much about A Quiet Place when I went to see it. I knew it was getting good reviews. I mean, I, I went in and enjoyed it. I hadn't seen the trailer for it. I think that kind of stuff helps. I liked it. I would have liked a little more. My biggest gripe, fuck the baby and all that shit. I would have liked a little more suspense and a little less jolt scare. Okay. I wanted a little more Shyamalan. I wanted a little more. I thought there was tons of suspense. I wanted a little more. You walk like in the in the in the visit, which is not a great movie, but it's no. fine. I wanted a little more. The kid walks out of the room, sees the old lady naked staring at the wall doesn't understand i wanted a little more of that creepiness um but you know look this is also coming off the heels that i just rewatched it and i was like okay i was a little hard on this movie it's not that bad it does stand on its own but my problem with it remains it's jump scare it's my problem with the conjuring movies and i really liked conjuring too and I liked Conjuring 1 enough, and then I thought Conjuring 2 was the same movie, but a better version of it. But it's the same thing. It's just jump scare after jump scare after jump scare. The Exorcist, like, I, why can't anything be like that anymore? Where well, they are, but that, that's a very rare... There wasn't a movie like The Exorcist for 10 years prior, for 10 years after. You know, that, that, that's a one-in-a-million shot, that movie. I'll cite a movie you love quite a bit that you've right. called me an idiot about. Uh, okay. Uh, Halloween. Yeah. Virtually no jump scares in the original Halloween film. Some. Some. But, um, you know, it's much more he lurks out of the darkness and it's weird and creepy and, and, and empty. And 
I just would have liked a little more of that. That's all I'm saying. At the end of the day, I give the movie a solid B. Maybe a B plus. How about that? Okay. I think perhaps you're bringing too much expectation, positive and negative, into the entertainment you consume. And you should try to avoid it, go with an open mind, and, and read a review after and treat it like a discussion with an old friend as opposed to letting it shape your opinion before going into the I theater. didn't read any reviews. And by the way, Mr. Go in with no expectations. You fucking texted me the second you walked out of the theater, said uh, a dark, a quiet place, tremendous picture. Killer picture, I said. Yeah, so that, was, so that was in my head. That I said it's a killer picture? Yeah, and I go, yeah, that's what I keep hearing. I'm not reading reviews. You know, a commercial comes on for the goddamn thing. Anymore. Huh? I won't text an old friend anymore to recommend a, a new film that I enjoyed. You just want to hurt me. You just want to make it difficult <laughs> for me. Not true. Um, yeah, it, yeah, it was good. All right. Yeah, it was. By the way, thank you to what's the kid's name that made the greatest hits? Oh, I'm not sure. I don't have my apps. I have a new phone. Buddy, if you're out there... Um, you can find, it's on your Instagram. I know, but I got to... Hold on. Let me find it. Can I turn on Instagram once without seeing somebody posing sexily? <laughs> male or female? I mean, it's just enough Who are already. you following? I don't know. Lingerie models? I got to... What'd you say? Lingerie models? Well, Speedo models, mostly. Okay. I guess I... I get what I'm bringing on myself. Uh, where are we here? Okay. Uh, where the hell? Yeah, is you put it? together a little best of. It's interesting to hear what one's best oh, of might be. Might might differ from another's. Chris Marsh, thank you very much for the best of. I loved listening to it. A little walk down memory lane. It was nice. SoundCloud. It's on the We'll See You in Hell Instagram. We'll see you in Hell Pod, I believe. Um and the Facebook page. Yes, the Instagram is see you in hell pod. Yeah. And the Twitter is W S Y I H pod. Yes. Uh which is also the handle for the Patreon. Thank you again, everybody donating to the Patreon. Very, 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 very sweet. Thank um, you. Thank you, everybody buying the merch. That's fantastic. We're very thrilled. Let's search the hog house on Etsy. Thank you, Emily Florence, for uh, for running all these things for us because God knows. I mean, you hear the energy in Pat and me. We're, we, we're not going to do it. Yeah. Uh, and thank you to the fans. Thank you to everybody. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at the Patrick Walsh. Show Living Biblically is on Monday nights. Tonight, it's a Crumholtz tour de force tonight. Uh, 8.30, 9.30, one of them central, one of them's west or something. You know how it works on CBS. Butte, watch the show. Uh, Joe DeRosa Comedy on Twitter and Instagram, but way more on Instagram. Uh, you can uh, check out By Night Origins. By Night Origins on uh, Amazon Prime and regular Amazon. Uh, and uh, check it out. I hope you like it. Uh, do I have anything else? I, I, I'm supposed to be at Rooster Teeth Feathers at the end of May, but that's a ways off. So we'll talk about that later. Guys, thanks a lot. We'll see you next time. And we'll see you in hell. That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>